0: Episode 229 of our interview series here at Global From Asia, GFA 229.
1: Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Niccolini.
0: Hola, senor and senorita. And that's my limited speech. Spanish, but some exciting news. Esteban was on our show before. Uh, we just did an amazing interview. We're going to launch our Spanish language version of Global from Asia. It'll be on slash es for Espanol, and uh, he will be hosting that. And he's already got amazing guests lined up, and uh, it's exciting times there. So we are on 229 interviews here at Global from Asia. If you count a gladiator, you over 250. If you trying to business cast with my co-host Shlomo, that's almost to uh, a hundred. We're creating lots of content here. We have an amazing team. I will be seeing them in the Philippines. A lot of our amazing team. Alvin's editing this today. Thanks, Alvin. Honeywell is helping check it. And Mindy, Cheryl's helping post it. is transcribing it. We have an amazing team. I'll be meeting a lot of them in Manila and Cebu. And... The week that this show goes online it will be the first leg of our trip with wendy where we go philippines thailand malaysia and then nepal looking for our new home <laughs> literally but enough of this stuff we i try to leave some news in our newsletter hope some of you've been enjoying and subscribing to our email newsletter send them out thursdays nighttime every week if you get on that one, globalfromasia.com/slash-subscribe. Try to keep that informative with other news and our news and special offers and other things. So definitely make sure you check that out. And this week's show we have Chris Rawlings. He is just a recent graduate of China Accelerator Accelerator Program in Shanghai, China. I'm an alumni of the program, class third cohort. In 2012, when it was in Dalian, China, he's a he's a he's a hustling guy. He's a he's a huge he's got a huge success in Amazon FBA as a seller, and he converted to a startup, a software as a service, Judo Launch. Uh, I've been giving him some advice, and uh, we've been l- watching him grow as they're working on their fundraising and their onboarding of clients. So he's definitely a guy you should listen to. This one's more of a story show. He's talking about his journey from a seller to a startup and a software into China. And he's spent time in New Zealand with uh, some backpacking and motorcycling and stuff. So it's a fun little adventure here we talk about in the middle of July. We actually are also doing a Rise meetup for Global From Asia, doing lots of events, lots of stuff. And, and, uh... But yeah, Chris is sharing some interesting things. This is a fun one. I categorize this under the stories, but also he's sharing some of the things he's learned along the way with the Amazon FBA and business and e-commerce. So without further ado, let's check it out. global slash episode 229 for the show notes. And we also have pictures of all our guests in these show notes so you can see some images as well as listening to the audio. All right, I will... Stop for now and let's let's uh, tune into chris love global from asia and want to get even more then check out our members only area at gfavip.com here you'll get insights and access to me as well as other members in our private forum as well as a ton of other valuable knowledge and information as well as special connections monthly calls insights discounts on product services and events and more Plus, it really helps support the show. Check it out at www.gfavip.com. Thank you, buddy, for tuning in to another Global From Asia podcast. We are here with a, a story-style podcast. Um, we have Chris Rawlings. Thanks for coming on, Chris. So, Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, it's great. We, uh, You came down, made it down to Shenzhen from Shanghai for the cross-border summit on a pretty last-minute uh Decision and uh, and and hosted a roundtable and shared a lot and and it's uh, it was great to have you down here.
1: Yeah, I was so glad that I did make that very spontaneous decision. Yeah, <laughs> because, uh, that that was pretty mind blowing. It was the type of people that came to your conference were so such a different demographic than I had expected before I came. Rick. Um, and it was more diversified and more more varied uh, than other you know, industry conferences that I've been to. So it was, it was pretty mind expanding for me. Very uh, cool. So
0: great. Thanks so much. So, so you're, uh, you're a big, you have a lot of experience with Amazon FBA as a seller, and you're also talking about how you bootstrapped that business today, as well as your funded startup Judo launch, where you're dialing in from Shanghai, China, in the China accelerator office where, uh, I had I had been there in 2012, third batch three. So it's really cool, man. We got a lot to talk about today. And uh, do you want to maybe add a little bit to my brief intro about yourself, Chris?
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's more brief than I ever am able to do. So I I should probably (laughs) check this recording later and use that as my one liner. (laughs) Nice. Nice. I my my story basically starts off as me being a, um, a science focused uh, like math guy that had no people skills at all. Um, I spent like most of my childhood, like, uh, on my own building stuff and, uh, playing computer games and stuff with floppy disks. (laughs) Nice. So raised in the woods with like no neighbors. So it wasn't like, it was very different than I think most people are used to. Um, but long story short, once I got into the real world, after I graduated with a degree in physics, you know, carrying on that science focus, um, I kind of realized that if I wanted to control my own destiny, I had to learn business. So that set me down a completely different path. I ended up running a, uh, solar business, solar mounting system, uh, business. I had no ownership in it, but I was, I was running the entire thing. Uh, so wow. I was like a founder with no equity, essentially. I Crazy. incorporated it. My girlfriend made the, the logo um, and grew that from zero to around 800,000 a year in revenue. Very uh,
0: cool.
1: But you know, along the way making so many stupid mistakes because I, I knew nothing about business or selling, but uh, that gave me the business experience that I needed to start my my uh, e-commerce brand, which was in the spinal health space. And I still operate that now. Very um, cool. And using the experience that I had in the solar world uh, with really hardcore sales, selling to like teams of engineers, mm. I, uh, I, I found that the e-commerce sphere was actually much easier than that, <laughs> you know, comparatively. Um, so that grew to be a seven-figure global brand. Um, and that's what then led me to spin off Judo Launch, which uh, was created to help launch other e-commerce brands, uh, specifically in global markets, which is what, how I ended up at your cross-border summit. And here we are on this podcast. <laughs> it's awesome. So that's the medium version.
0: That's very cool. And I'm curious, how did you start a business that you didn't have equity in? That sounds crazy to me.
1: Like, yeah, it does. It does sound crazy. But then another thing that's crazy is spending like three hundred thousand on an MBA that mm, you have that's to true. actually pay for. And that's and, true. That's and, true. And, and spend like two years of your life. So this yeah. was at least I was getting paid.
0: Yeah, dollar. that's true. That's true. Um, that's true. Yeah, you got paid. Yeah. Okay, you got paid. It. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. It's true.
1: Yeah. I.
0: I. I, uh, I. I've said it in the show and on a lot of my stuff. Like I, I was considering MBA, but I decided China, you know, coming out to China and doing my business full time was my MBA. So more power to you. And so let's, uh, let's continue the conversation. So you started, um, you know, when, when would you say you said it's easier, which is cool from doing e-commerce It's true Then you were doing like hardcore full service sales before. Is that, is that what you would
1: say was the, uh, yeah it was crazy. like I mean, I think uh, so i'm sure I'm sure that your listener base, you know is as diverse of diverse as the the people that came to your conference.
0: yeah it's but true. For,
1: for those yeah but for those those of your listeners um, and the members of your community that are still uh, at the stage of wanting to start a business um, but haven't taken the step yet, um, I would say. You know, the, to your comment about how did you like? Why would you start a company? Why would you run a company that you had no equity in? That like jumping in any way possible is like, and taking the first step, like no matter what that means, is is probably your next move, and uh, was really what got me going. Like I, I was in a unique position because the reason that happened to me was that my dad was owning. My dad had majority ownership of the parent company Got of it. this company that i had, see. that i had spun out and they had this technology that they were using for their own installations and they wanted to spin it out into its own company to sell to other installer companies but nobody wanted the the extra job of taking that on and they were too cheap to hire outside people <laughs> so i used the fact that my dad was the owner and told everyone okay i'm running this company now you know nice. i'm gonna do this spin it out and and everyone was afraid to say no, because I was my dad's son. Okay. Now, if I went to my dad and I was like, dad, I'm going to run, you know, I'm going to run Solstice. I'm going to run this business. He'd been like, <laughs> hell no. You're a college <laughs> graduate with no business experience at all. Like you're, I'm not trusting you with this.
0: Got it. But I didn't
1: ask him. I just went to everybody else in the company and told them that I was doing it now. That's and they were good. afraid to say no. So I, by the time I was already running it and had to, couple of contracts signed. it was too late for my dad to be like to, to veto it so I kind of tricked my way into that, that position but yeah it it. school of hard knocks like you said I was I was going into so in e-commerce you're selling to presumably normal people you know you have to sell to a, an average Joe in a way especially if you're running an uh, Amazon brand, um, there are a brand whose whose main channel is Amazon or one of your main channels is Amazon then you're likely selling products that are not super special. I'm sure you love your products, and I'm sure you, you put your heart, you know, and mind into them. Um, but they're likely not, you know, earth shattering. You know, they're likely not an electric skateboard that also charges your phone and cooks you breakfast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably a take on a normal high volume, commodity, fairly commoditized product that you maybe specialize in a way. Um, and you're selling it to, to regular people. And there's a certain psychology behind that. There's a totally different and very difficult psychology to selling to a whole room of engineers. Mm-hmm. So these guys, they're not asking like, oh, will this solve my pain? Or will this feed my passion? Like regular people? They're asking, what is the friction coefficient of the, sur- the bottom surface of your, your mounting system? And, <laughs> and what is the expansion coefficient? So like how long how much will this expand and can the bolts that you use are they rated to take the pressure from the expansion of of a hot summer day day? and it's sitting there like you think you know sales until you're selling to engineers and you basically need to be an engineer to sell to engineers which luckily i had that technique i was selling to in order to prepare myself for those you know really sometimes rough sales meetings um And that, that school of hard knocks is what I think allowed me to like apply that mindset to, um, an industry where it's the sales process is much less intense.
0: Got it. So yeah, let's, let's go into FBA world. Would you say, I could agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I like selling online. I like, you know, uh, the benefits of selling when you're sleeping or selling to people globally. Uh, Without Definitely, I couldn't imagine pitching a whole room of engineers, so I, I agree with you. Um, so when you got into FBA, I mean, was, was it a hustle and grind, or, or was there like a day where like a light bulb went off and you kind of figured out how to get to the next level, or was, it, was there like some kind of like turning point, or was it just, you know, daily putting in the hours and the grind?
1: Yeah, that's, um, for, for me, it was, at first, I really, I took the approach of that, I wouldn't just slap my label on something and throw it online. I took the approach of I'm going to use my strength, and I think everyone should do this. You know, you copying what somebody else did well um, likely won't work for you. Like I, I, I feel that everyone needs to understand themselves and what they're strong at in order to to succeed. Because if you're constantly doing what you suck at then everything you do is going to suck. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can find other people to do the things that you suck at and do the things that you're good at, then you're likely going to succeed. So for me, I knew that I had that design background. Okay. I was using AutoCAD already to do electrical design for solar projects. So I used CAD to design a new version of uh, a series of spinal health products um, that I was already a user of. Um, so these were things that already sold posture improvement products and things like that, uh, molded, molded foam, uh, mostly. And, um, so I could, I had the ability, you know, to create kind of my own take on that in a new design. And since I have my own spinal injury, I was also a user. So I had a direct feedback loop of, of that too. So that, that combination Um, let me make a couple key changes based on my own feedback and feedback from a bunch of negative reviews that I read from the top sellers products and um, making those design changes and then being really uh, selective about the uh, supplier that I work with. That, that combination is I think what allowed us to have some pretty fast success, like on, unpredictable. I, I didn't predict how how much success we would, how quickly we would grow, and that was that was at first it wasn't all roses and butterflies obviously, um, but we we did start making sales like at a much higher rate than I expected, and uh, which brought me down kind of a dark path of trying to grow much too fast in a very capital intensive business, and um, that you know so what happened was I left the solar business to start this brand. And it started doing well. And I was, you know, really stoked about that. And when I left the solar business, I actually made a radical life change, sold all of my belongings, moved to New Zealand, bought a motorcycle and lived out of a bag that I strapped to the back of my motorcycle. Very cool. Like motorcycling from town to town and from forest to forest, really working, you know, from my laptop, being a digital nomad. Very cool.
0: Because you're from the States, right? Originally?
1: yeah it was, yeah was so
0: new you, so new jersey to new zealand i i can't imagine i mean i'm like new jersey well i went to school in jersey i'm from connecticut but i worked in new york but you know i went to china i didn't new zealand's where how did you that's like the farthest point i can think of <laughs> or one of the how did exactly just because it was the farthest away from anywhere else or was there a reason
1: that was part of it i wanted to basically like I, it had to be beautiful to me. I, I actually literally Googled most beautiful countries in the world. <laughs> and I think like when I Googled that, like New Zealand was either number one or like, you know, above the fold, and uh, that paired with the fact that "Lord of the Rings" was filmed Yeah now, of. I was course. Like, oh yeah, I gotta go.
0: That's so, awesome.
1: Yeah. And uh, I, I had this one night too, where my little brother and I were doing like Google Street View um, in New Zealand. We were checking. Out. A lot of my, my trips start out with like googling, like Google Satellite or Google Street View, uh, because we were Google Street viewing, and we were like, man, like we're digitally driving down the street, and we were like, this would look great on a motorcycle. <laughs> and I was like, I should get a motorcycle in New Zealand, and awesome. uh, and I did. That's literally what I did. That's so awesome. uh, we all, we had another trip where we were on EpicFjords.com looking at fjords of Norway. And uh we were like, wouldn't it be cool to canoe the fjords of Norway? Lo and behold, a year later we we're living out of a canoe in Norway, like on a uh, six hundred kilometer uh, Norwegian fjord epic like six week trip. <laughs> so that's pretty be awesome. Be careful what you Google.
0: Yeah. Oh. Well you're making. it seems like from what I'm getting, you're taking action and you're taking risks and uh and uh you're making things happen. So so uh I'm trying there's so many questions I have, but uh generally I'm thinking from the answer about the turning point, it seems like you knew your industry well, you are a user yourself, yeah. you made us you made a, a better product than what you saw on the market. And then that yeah. led, cause I think there's two, there's uh, in a lot of interviews we've done on a show and people I've talked to, there's two sides, there's people that say it's product or it's the other side says marketing. The but again, it's me. always a balance, right? You gotta have a good product, Definitely. but you also gotta have good marketing. Are yes. you, I mean, are you thinking, I think some people will say the best product will always win, even if maybe in the short term, the best marketing will win, but long term, the best product will win. Um, It's a, it's a kind of a back and forth here. I hear a lot of people.
1: Yeah, dude, it's true because you can't have one or the other. Like if you like the dark side of that product thing that you just said is uh, hoverboards. Like Mm -hmm. the dude that invented hoverboards made nothing from. And I think he ended up actually working for another electronics Horrible. Because by the time he had, I mean, he put so much work into developing this technology. And by the time he got to market, the China, Chinese had beat him. And yeah. they were all, they're completely flooded. Too late to sue him because there's hundreds of them. Um, so that's, that, I mean, that, there's a cautionary tale right there. Um, And then, of course, the other side of the spectrum, marketing only and and no focus on product, is where you get to the creepy kind of, you know, some page with the side berry supplements that you ended up on that you don't know how you got there because you clicked like a Facebook link, (laughs) and it's like, just people that will market anything, you know, like that kind of creepy zone of the deep affiliate marketing world. Yeah, Um, being
0: AliExpress and like Instagram ads, like products for like 60 bucks on watches i heard that on a podcast before and uh yeah totally i mean count. yeah there's some crazy and stuff it's,
1: but it's a flash in the pan and then if you're only considered concerned with marketing and not product then you you just have to hop you're opportunistically hopping from thing to thing forever and that what a life what kind of a life is that um, so like you you said i think it's a balance like being able to to develop unique products and care about your product itself and also having speed with, with your marketing and business, business efforts because like, like that poor Hubbard guy, like if he had gone super fast, like once he developed it and he released it, if he had done a a proper launch and really launched it and moved quickly and like gotten it done, he might've been able to ride that horse instead of getting bucked off. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Fully
0: with that yeah like uh i'm not sure if that's why you're here but i'm that's one reason i came to china i see the speed here is in, uh-huh. insane i think you know i you know emotions or perspectives or 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 uh, you know other feelings out i know some people have you know or chinese sellers are not the biggest sometimes uh fans overseas but uh you know i think the one thing about chinese that i think anybody would agree is they're fast right Chinese sellers or Chinese business uh so I think uh you and I being over here is if you're trying to do product business I think you have to have at least somebody here like on the product side um to know it and watch it really well is what I would think especially if you start doing something new and unique um but, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a balance. Like you said, if you're, if you're a hoverboard dude and you're just making an amazing product, but you're not executing or you're not, uh, marketing, yeah, you can get run over for sure. So it's, uh, you gotta have both sides. Um, is that where, so how did you, let's maybe go into the story of the startup and, uh, judo launch. So what was, uh, yeah. your, let's say you're, you're biking New Zealand, you're canoeing in Norway. Uh, you're selling on FBA, <laughs> you got this spinal, yep. spinal, I'm just going to say it wrong. Spinal cord products, spinal products, yeah, spinal health
1: products, spinal yeah.
0: health products. And, uh, business is good. And, uh, you're a digital nomad. How do you take that transition to like startup and software and, you know, this, uh, this newest venture?
1: Yeah. Well, that's where this thing, ah, it's really funny because I just had a conversation with, uh, Ash Manga from IMAX. Yep. I don't know yep. if you know Ash. Yeah, I know Ash. Yeah, Ash yeah. Is
0: great in Guangzhou.
1: Yeah, he's over in Guangzhou. Yeah, so uh, we he and I were just on a call about half an hour ago right before I got Oh, on cool. He's
0: been on the podcast. I forget the episode number, but I could Oh, like really? Him. Yeah, he's been on the podcast a couple of years ago. Cool. He came, came over to awesome. our studio and home studio and we did a show together. But yeah, I could... I can link it. I'll put a note for anybody to check out the notes. We'll link up to his uh, interview. Yeah, he's a great guy.
1: Yeah, dude, he he really is a great guy. Very, very giving too, and uh, very growth focused. Um, and I was talking to him about kind of how, what we were doing here in China. And, and what came up is basically I, so I'm run, running this brand, right. Uh, traveling the world and living what many people would call the dream. Um, <laughs> free full location freedom um, you know full direction over my my own day in Badoo and I do independence and uh, and it was beautiful but I think and I think for a certain type of person that's cool forever you can do that as long as you live and live a happy life and I met a lot of people doing that in Bali uh, in the Philippines mm-hmm. Um I think a lot of Southeast Asia has like a huge it's on. Nomad community yeah, that, it's that on. loves that does that. And that's fine. But like if I, for me, eventually I kind of hit a wall of uh, like funness versus what your actual mark in the world is and what you accomplish and what you build and uh, the kind of living that like hedonistic lifestyle eventually um, I And although, you know, I, I was definitely mission-focused with the brand, being that I was helping people with spinal injuries like myself, um, I wanted to build something that had greater potential and kind of put put some roots somewhere. Uh, and that's when I moved to San Francisco and joined 500 Startups, uh, batch 22. Nice. And, and started Judo. So Judo was started to be uh, – uh, company because it's based in software, much more scalable. And, uh, we started as software that allowed brands, uh, that have an Amazon channel to quickly launch in other markets. So one, one of the biggest things people were coming to us for in the beginning were us based brands or European brands that wanted to launch in the German market. Um, so we were the first launch company to be able to run launches in Germany. And that's the second biggest Amazon market in the world for for people that don't know. So, um, and specifically for certain product categories, it was, it's, it's an awesome opportunity. So, uh, we started doing that and, uh, that's when we went through 500 startups, which basically allowed us to expand to a whole different degree. And we started launching, uh, brands on, on all different marketplaces and also helping them with after the launch. Um, automating the kind of account management, uh, process, um, of sending bad invoices and handling customer inquiries and, uh, refunds and listing monitoring and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, my, my personal journey was, I went from caring about freedom and independence to caring about impact and caring about, um, accomplishment and, um, and kind of uh, building, building upon something that continues to lead to my own personal growth and the personal growth of those around me. So nice. you can go to Ecstatic Dance you know, every Sunday morning uh, in Bali and do yoga every day. and That's great. Um, but I really wanted to be challenged and, and grow as a person and have to grow and be in a high growth company, um, not just kind of a, a cash, cow. To turn cash cow. Very cool. That's what, should... that's what bring us on this road.
0: Like, uh, make me think of uh, Steve Jobs, like, change the world or uh, yeah, make a difference. Or, uh, you know, he's saying when he got, I forget the name of the, he was a, one of the one of a high level execs he recruited. He said, uh, he was from Pepsi Cola, Pepsi, and he's said, like, Do you want to sell sugar water or do you want to make a difference? you know, so yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. Yeah. There was
0: some, I, I'm messing up the saying, but something like that. And uh, yeah, yeah, but it's cool. And then, so yeah. And then, so 500 startups, I'm sure listeners actually we had Edith Edith on the show. Oh, I got to link up a few others. Edith young. She's a uh, 500 startups in, in China, I believe, or at least. In Hong oh, Hong. okay, cool. Edith. That's yeah. Awesome. Partner at 500. So, um, and now you're in Shanghai with a uh, China accelerator. Um, so how'd that, and then you you've been to China before or, or is there some data or what, what brought you over?
1: Yeah. So I started, um, <laughs> coming to China as soon as the brand began, it was like just a couple months in and I was like, I need to have hands. I, I want to see this being produced. I want to meet the engineering team that's okay. implementing my design into the mold. So I went right to Shenzhen nice. and, uh, and yeah, met with my supplier. I had another supplier in chi So I was going to Shenzhen and Shimen. uh, couple times a year um starting in 2015 Mm. when i began the brand and uh just meeting with suppliers and that that was an awesome experience because i like for people that don't ever like visit their suppliers because it's so easy to just source from alibaba and have that digital relationship and never go and and you can even just use um quality control services like Asian inspection Um, and just kind of never go. Uh, I think the value, uh, you never see the value of actually being there hands on because I, culturally, I think it's a big deal to, uh, a Chinese in Chinese business to meet in person Mm -hmm. and to, to develop trust. Um, trust is a really big deal here. And so visiting there gave me like some really unique insights on the industry I was in specifically on my ability to utilize their engineering team for me, basically for free being like, okay, I'm giving you these orders, but I need help creating the next version of the design of this product. So let's do it. And, uh, and I actually had a couple of times where I stayed for a few weeks um, actually doing the development of the product in real time uh, with their engineering team. And I would sketch up a design on my laptop, send it to their team. They would, sketch, they would create a prototype really quick in their prototype facility, bring it out. I would test it, change the design, send it all in the same day, like three or four times. Whereas that process would take weeks or even months if I was having them mail it to me every time and sending them new designs and mailing me you know, the, the next version of the prototype. So if you're doing some kind of product development, I think just like what you said, is so spot on. You got to just go to the source, yep. and and the speed is just not. It's not ten percent faster. It's not two times as fast. It's like ten or twenty times as fast. It's a. It's an order of magnitude at least faster. Totally. So it's it's so worth it to just go.
0: Yeah, man. I was, I, uh, I was going insane before I was trying to source. I was, you know, a lot of listeners. Know. I lived in uh, New York City. I was on Wall Street. Uh, doing eBay back in the day and uh, trying to source from Alibaba and Skype in the middle of the night, it's such a nightmare. I yeah I, I, yeah, I don't know how I know there's listeners that still haven't come out. I don't know how you guys do it, it drives me insane. So, uh, that's why I came out here, and uh, it's true. I mean, maybe you don't have, that's why I said maybe you one, maybe you listeners don't have to be the one to come out here, but I think find a china guy or somebody you trust that's going to be on your side to uh, make it happen i mean we're doing the same thing we have uh, we have listeners i'm i'm doing a new fba business uh called well, called call par living but it's actually e-commerce gladiator series of the show and oh, uh yes cool. yeah yeah we're doing it every uh every couple of weeks we update the listeners about the progress so um we should talk oh, about that whoa yeah we're doing I some coffee yeah we're doing uh coffee accessories um mocha pot and, uh, some other kind of kits and stuff like that for coffee lovers at home. Um, we should talk about your Judo launch. Actually, it's still, we just only a couple months in, it was so stressful with the sourcing, even though I was here, but I'm, I'm trying not to be the sourcing guy. I'm not a, I'm yeah. not a sourcer, but, uh, you know, even with our other team members, it was just really a struggle with, uh, with, uh, not being on the ground at the factories all the time, or at least during the product development stages. So, so yeah, like, um, yeah. so you're, you're like only a, a little bit, a couple months in it at the, uh, at the accelerator in Shanghai, right? So yeah, how's it been since you've yeah. come here with, with, uh, the startup and everything?
1: It's, it's totally just like earth shattering, um, in a good way. Like it's, I'm so glad that I entered this ecosystem of accelerators. Because it's just again, like from a growth perspective, like personal growth, business growth, just growth in general, bringing, bringing someone, and you know, because you've been through it, I'm, I'm sure. So I'm preaching to the choir. But to me, bringing on a, not just a person, but like a whole community who gets equity. That's an important part, uh, and aligns their your success with their success is just basically puts you in a jet stream. It's amazing. Like you can try to swim as fast as you want and train your muscles to be the best swimmer ever. But if the guy next to you is in like a jet stream and the <laughs> water he's swimming in is moving, you know, five times or 10 times as fast as the water that you're in, it doesn't matter how, how much you train up and how, how strong your muscles are or whatever. He's in a jet stream. And that's how I feel with with accelerator programs. It just puts you in this ecosystem, both 500 startups and SOSV or China accelerator, which is is under the SOSV umbrella. um, I felt this way where it kind of put us in this, this ecosystem that forced us to grow because we had growth and opportunity surrounding us in all directions. Um, it's how I, it's how we got connected, Mike. Yeah, uh, yep, it's true. Through, I think, Chris. Chris. Chris yeah. uh, introduced us in the, yep. in the first place. Yep. So, yeah, I, I, it's been amazing. And we learned about this, actually. It's really weird uh, and random. I hate when this happens, but it's so true that, like, random events just completely change the trajectory of your life. But I was working out of a co-working space in Princeton, New Jersey. Okay. Um, where the University of Princeton is. Yep. And uh, I was working in like it, a very like, small kind of like boutique um, co-working space that was local, not a chain. It wasn't like WeWork, it was just some guy that created a co-working space called Tiger Labs. And the founder of uh, SOSV, Sean O'Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Uh, SOSV actually stands for Sean O'Sullivan.
0: Yeah, it's true, I know. Um, it's, yeah, he's an amazing guy.
1: Yeah. Sean sat next to me at my co-working space and I didn't know who he was, but he was a bud and he was using my posture improvement products. And <laughs> uh, we were always the last two to leave the office. We were always the ones working till nine, 10 at night. And uh, we kind of bonded over that. It'd be like, all right, who, who's going to win this time? Who's going to leave, you know, first? Uh, and, um, and then, but I never really found out know his story or dug into who he was and then later someone someone told me to google him or something like that and then i found out that he was like the third most famous person in ireland and he was on uh dragon's Lair, their version of shark tank yeah and that he had coined the term cloud computing and owned you know a network of five accelerators around the world and sosv i think was the number one most active early stage vc of 2016 yeah. and i was like sean who are you dude um It was was crazy, but then when I told him I was going to San Francisco, uh, he introduced us to Christine Tsai, who is Mm -hmm. the founder of 500 Startups, the co-founder of 500 Startups. Uh, And then after we went through 500, um, you know, he linked with the China Accelerator team. So Sean really, really opened doors for us and, and allowed us to grow much quicker than we would have otherwise. But that's yeah. how we found out about the program in the first place.
0: Yeah, Sholan is a workaholic like I've never seen. Like, uh, I met him. Yeah, when I was in a program, Dude. he was. Yeah, he he would come visit a little bit, and uh, this guy would just be working all the time. Like, not you think he's like so successful and he's so wealthy already, but this guy is like working like maniac. Like, I I always was like you. I would stay almost as late as him. Like, he's a work a machine, man. Seriously. But, yeah, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, and, dude, uh,
1: it's crazy. Dude. That shows yep. you that it's not, it's not for, for a certain type of person, which I think I, it's obvious that you are, Mike, and I definitely <laughs> am, and Sean clearly is, um, it's not the money. Yep. Um, it's like what you build. And yep. Sean, I have such a huge degree of respect for Sean because if you think of – if you're a person that, you know, if your net worth is in the hundreds of millions, mm-hmm. that's a really big number. Um, And you could do a lot with that. You could buy a couple islands. You can have a gigantic boat. You can have one of the biggest yachts in the world. You could just put it in some type of safe investment like gold or, you know, some kind of commodity. But Sean took it and he put it into allowing people to build great things and Mm -hmm. accomplish their dreams and allow them to have the resources to pair their knowledge and their vision with cash and connections to make their visions reality and possibly change the course of humanity. It's true. And I mean, that's a huge thing. Like that's just massive. That money could have just sat in some whatever, like more in the account with a a nice 20%, you know, interest rate. But instead it's like fueling the growth of the new world and fueling like new technology and new ideas, and new creation. Totally. Um, so yeah it's just it's amazing very inspiring
0: very cool well yeah i mean uh i think he's he's got a good good opportunity to have you in his uh in the in the incubator accelerator so let's go back on to judo launch we haven't talked about it too much um so you, you went through 500 okay. startups on your accelerator first launch service or pro software for germany and europe Um yeah yeah so where are we at now with the with everything like where are we and where are we going
1: yeah yeah the whole so the whole thesis was like when i started judo it was after the brand had expanded um to seven countries around the world and i just kind of had this moment of where I, i realized okay this is a unique point in human history um like when i was a kid there weren't a bunch of people starting companies to sell, you know, whatever supplements or, you know, skateboards or whatever, uh, because it wasn't possible. You couldn't just like go on to Alibaba, find a supplier, create an account on Amazon and, and see if your thing has legs or create a Shopify store and find an Instagram influencer and, you know, make it happen that none of those tools existed at all. And, So it really is just within the last like 10 years, this is even possible that this is, that this can happen. And I was like, we're in like a unique point in the history of humanity. Actually, this is like a very unique time where like new brands and, uh, niche brands and small brands that are started by a guy on his laptop, like in his bed can actually get real traction and become, you know, uh, even a little empire, you know, within their sphere. Um, So I, I just had this kind of epiphany and understanding that this, now that this is possible, the ecosystem to support those brands is still very underdeveloped and still really underserved. Um, And there's, there's just a gigantic number of huge marketing companies that serve the Nikes and Coca-Cola's of the world. And then there's, you know, consultants and ex-Amazon people doing, you know, the consulting and contracting for companies like this, there's not really like, there aren't too many very good tech solutions. And the ones that are around are, are fairly new. So uh, this was an ecosystem I wanted to step into. I wanted to support people who can start, uh, you know, a shoe company that, you know, we can steal market share from Nike. Like the idea of that just kind of excites me for some reason, yeah. you know, and I like it. I, I just like it a lot. I think that the world is like becoming more interesting. Like when I was a kid, you would go to the store and buy Colgate or Crest toothpaste. And that, those were your options you know, Spearmint Colgate, Spearmint Crest. Now I use like fennel lavender toothpaste. And that's gross to a lot of people, but I like it. And it's organic and I travel with it everywhere. And like, that's just the thing now. Anybody can get whatever they want that they feel really expresses them because these brands have the opportunity to grow and, and, uh, and exist. Like my friend, uh, Paul Miller has a company called cozy phones that is headphones specifically for kids with autism that are, are like, um, have like frogs or toads or like ducks like patterns on them um and also serve as a headband like that's a pretty unique and pretty niche market but he was able to get traction and he's really successful his brand is is doing extremely well and he's growing so fast he's a judo launch customer and a good friend um i have a call with him later on today and just the fact that that's possible just makes me so excited Okay. So, so Judo launch right now is like focused on launching these companies um, and helping them succeed. and that's like our basic thesis. And I, I think what we do specifically will continue to morph over time. Um, but in general, I just, I know in my heart and my bones that this is a space that has huge opportunity and really excites me like on a personal level too.
0: Very cool. So, yeah, it's been a great, I've heavily enjoyed our talk so far. Um, So how can listeners get involved with what you're doing and uh, get, you know, get, get, uh, get a piece of the action?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, we, so it's one thing that we started doing recently um, is that we have uh, been devoted what would be sales resources to just being helpful, people who are just helpful. So uh, we now have a a team of folks who people can contact and they will just give you help and like data and information. Um, So for instance, like, you know, an Amazon seller will contact us if they're selling in the U.S. doing really well and they want to know if there's a market for what they sell in Germany. And since we have all this data about the hundreds, almost over a thousand launches that we've done in the history of the company, we have really unique insights on that. And our team will do an analysis for that person, you know, whether or not they become a Judo launch customer by doing launch or by using our account automation or listing optimization services is another story. Um, Hopefully they do. Maybe they won't. But uh, we're just focused on providing value right now and using our uh, our unique position to, to help out sellers and, and just be helpful and, right. and provide value to the community. Um, so yeah, they can honestly, anybody who's listening can email uh, Hans, which is um, the guy who leads that team, uh, Hans at judalaunch.com, H-A-N-S at judalaunch.com. And uh, he's the one that routes the people who who do analyses and and help people out just basically consult them. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Great. So that, and of course, judolaunch.com is where anybody can check out kind of our story and and what we do and stuff like that. So
0: Very good. Awesome, Chris. So thanks. I know you're busy in your startup, uh, startup uh, phases. So I appreciate your time today sharing and I wish you the best. And I I definitely think we got to talk about our, our Amazon here I connect you up maybe our Hans connect up with uh somebody on my team for the for the coffee yeah
1: totally dude let's talk yeah, about it let's make it happen yeah, that'd be cool. all right cool. all right
0: thanks guys uh thanks for listening everybody and thanks thanks Chris for coming on
1: for sure thanks brother great being here
0: need unique content for your business Who doesn't at contentinvestments.com. There's a network of writers ready to write unique blog product review and other articles for your business. As the saying goes, content is king. Check it out today at www.contentinvestments.com where you can subscribe for one-off articles or monthly subscriptions. Check it out today. Thank you, Chris, for coming on the show and sharing. He also was hosting a roundtable at our cross-border summit in April, where we got to meet quickly there. And, you know, I I, uh, I hope you guys are also enjoying, you know, whether you're a seller, whether you're a software or service provider, or whether you're a investor, you know, we just keep on grinding the ax and you can go on both sides of the table and uh, find what you like to do in life. And uh, I, always think about the Steve Jobs quotes where he says banging against the walls in life don't try to listen to you know the uh, authorities and stay within the lines you got to hit those walls and not be afraid to push those limits in your life and in your business it's uh, it's true those 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 scary times uh, are sometimes the times where you hit the most go- growth and learn the most about yourself if you never really push the limit you'll never really learn how far you can go So thanks, Chris, for pushing your limits and getting Judo Launch to be launched. And uh, I'm proud to be advising that startup as well. And we are making things happen. And uh, see you guys next week.